This is The Dime, a 10-minute dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. As always, I've got my right-hand man, Kellen Finney, here with me. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Malcolm Boyce of Axtel Labs. Malcolm, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Brian. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a nice and gorgeous day, so... Glad to be on here. It's always been a goal to be on a podcast, so I'm glad I can uh, check that off my bucket list now. Appreciate those kind words, and we're looking forward to putting you through the ringer. So before we start, can you give the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got into the cannabinoid space? Yeah, so my background, uh, went to college and studied molecular biology and biochemistry, and so um, always kind of dabbled in cannabis just in my youth, and then just as the years went by, just always you know, more on the black market side. And eventually in 2018, I got approached by an individual to help him start an extraction facility where we're currently located in Crestview, Colorado. So at first I was just going to be his kind of right-hand man. And it just kind of evolved into uh, to a little bit more than that. So, you know, some ups and downs, some things happened and uh, I ended up taking over for him and uh, working with Kellen your right-hand man, and uh, kind of got our facility up and running, which was great. It was good. Crappy part was we started in the middle of the pandemic in March. April was when we got our CO. So just navigating the whole entire pandemic on top of uh, a compressed market has been uh, very interesting for me this year. Yeah, and we're looking forward to kind of hearing more about that. So before we dive in, what does Axtell Labs do and what value does it bring to the space? What we do is we uh, operate as crude operators right now. So processing biomass from farms and trying to get a, a very high grade quality crude um, that eventually our end product will be a tea-free distillate that we can sell off to, um, to other manufacturers. And so the value that Excel Labs brings is we're a team, we're an organization made up of several individuals. We have people in the finance realm people that have done VCs and legal and uh, two partners that have done sourcing and sales in the THC cannabis space in Colorado um, since the legal market started. So all that combined, we just have a wide range of abilities in order to help facilitate our growth as a company and to partner up with the right individuals to actually make an impact on the industry. Give us a breakdown of what a day in the life is like for you when you get to the office, kind of the responsibilities that you go through and kind of from start to finish on what that looks like. I handle the day-to-day operations for the actual facility. So my day, uh, my days are long and grueling. I uh, typically get in at 6 a.m. and I leave at 6 p.m. We operate Monday through Thursday. Just so Monday through Thursday, we have an intake team and we have a lab team. I have an intake manager who handles that. They handle the sifting and packaging of bags and just feeding our laboratory so we can continue to extract. I mainly stay on the laboratory side and deal with more of the science aspects of it. So running our HPLCs, making sure our parameters are set and just kind of keeping the ship afloat and trying to set the pace while my operators just do their thing and try to try hit all of our goals for the day. Right now, we're going to change up some things next week, but we've been hitting. Uh, so my employees get there at seven on the intake side and we'll do our first extraction bag around 8 a.m. And we'll do our last one around 6.30 or so p.m. And we're averaging right now 700 pounds a day. So 
starting to hit our stride. Want to start to uh, branch off into some more shifts just because, as you guys know, it takes forever to start. Slowing down is a little bit easier, but um, just trying to compound those operational hours and just make the most of it in order to produce more product. Because right now what we're seeing is it's a, it's a volume game. And volume and margins are the two things that we're operating under. And both of those go hand in hand. So, but no, that's the typical day in the life of Malcolm. Kellen, you want to expand on that? What do you mean expand on like a, life, a day in the life of Malcolm and <laughs> just the, well, the think, factory work? Yeah, I think from an understanding standpoint, I think Malcolm did a really good job of breaking down like what his role is. And I think your insight and overview of kind of like all the pieces of the puzzle, I think from like the bag standpoint and, and kind of like the roles and the juggling of it. I yeah, think- no, I think I totally. And so the story of like CBD and how it kind of goes through those kind of facilities is like what Malcolm was describing is the CBD is in the biomass when it comes into the facility, right? And it's just hanging out in the plant material. And then... They have to break that material down and they sift it, get rid of the stems and all these other unwanted particulates. And that's the whole bagging aspect, right? So they're putting them into these extraction bags, right? And each bag holds a specific amount of biomass. And then that biomass needs to be chilled according to their extraction protocols. They use cold ethanol as the the extraction method that the Axel uses right now. And then the CBD is cold and it's in the biomass. It goes into the extraction facility they utilize their extraction equipment and ethanol to pull out those cannabinoids, right? And then the ethanol is removed with the solvent recovery system and you're left with a crude CBDA oil. And then they, they do some decarboxylation and some further refinement to generate a crude oil that that's their end product right now, just why they're getting their feet wet in the industry. And Malcolm mentioned a lot of the science side from an HPLC standpoint and those parameters as Every single extraction run needs to be monitored. And the only way to do that right now in the industry is to utilize a HPLC, which tests potency. And so he's constantly doing testing with the HPLC to determine how much CBD is left in the biomass, how much was there to begin with, how much CBD is in that oil that they pulled out of the biomass, how much CBD is in that tincture to try to change the parameters and, you know, just increase yields, right? I think is the end goal for all that stuff. Yeah, precisely, Kellen, for sure. Do all operators in the processing space have HPLCs in-house? No. No, nah, which is weird, right? And I mean, Kellen, you can speak to this more than I could, just from your experience setting up labs. But, you know, whenever I first got even brought into this scenario, there was never a mention of an HPLC until, Kellen, you jumped in and started talking about that. And it's the only way you can. Uh, you don't know any of your operational efficiencies, percent yields, anything like that. You just you can't do it. And it's so... And having one in-house versus what we used to do, which is do third-party. So I would collect a sample. I would mail that sample off. And then, at, like I said, in the middle of COVID, we were sending off, before we found a local third-party laboratory that we trusted here in Colorado, we were sending our samples off to Massachusetts. And they were in the middle of doing COVID testing. They were in the middle of doing harvest from last year and this year. And they would tell you three to five business days. Uh, it takes one to two business days to even get there. And so by the time I would get any sort of information back, we're the X amount of pounds into it. And so it's just real hard to then change those parameters. We're now having an in-house HPLC. You can just change them on the fly. And it's been night and day difference. We were operating probably 30, 40% at the beginning. And we've operated on a day-to-day basis as high as 90. Our average is probably somewhere in between 70 and 80. But like you're saying, uh, testing the biomass when it first comes in, setting a curve and then 
testing our spent biomass and seeing, okay, cool, we need to agitate longer. We need to agitate at a higher RPMs, especially like I was saying earlier too, with everything being margin-based and needing to win our margins, that, that just helps out tremendously in order to get the most efficiency out of our, our extraction process. And that's why I wanted you to expand on that because as you were saying, you use the HPLC to kind of help tweak what's going on and without that, you're essentially flying blind. And I guess I want to know why don't other operators have the HPLC? And I mean, that's a substantial insight into understanding what's going on in the manufacturing process. So why aren't other operators including that in their you know, daily activities? You know, I can't speak to that. A lot is money and I would say skill set, right? So we happen to find a real good group that does a subscription-based service to where it's pretty much plug and play. I don't need an analytic chemist to come in to run my HPLC. I can do it myself. I can have an employee do it. It's all about just sample preparation and make certain that you do your preparation work fine. As a startup, you know, there's costs and you have to do everything as a cost benefit, right? And so for us, there was the longest time to where we debated internally, like, cool, this system's going to cost us X amount of dollars. But right now we're trying to run. We're trying to get up and operating. We got employees, we have payroll, we have this, this and that. All right. Like we got to take care of those issues at first. And so it was a fine line that I had to straddle knowing, you know, from both the scientific standpoint and from an operational standpoint, not having that was being detrimental. And, you know, finally the argument was won. And like I said, we've seen a tremendous difference in our throughputs and our operational capabilities because we've had the ability to do in-house analytics on the fly, adjust parameters on the fly and really nail down all aspects of our operations. So it's been, it's been nice. But the biggest thing I could say is just money and probably arrogance. A lot of people just kind of feel like they've, they've done it once, they've done it twice, so they know how to do it. Um, I know that's how I was with the original guy who I worked under. He always thought he knew best, and sometimes sometimes that will bite you in the ass. So. Yeah, I think you're underselling yourself too, just from my experience in the space. Ignorance, I think, is a lot of it. And at the end of the day, like, there's not a lot of companies out there that have someone like you with a scientific background, Malcolm, who actually understand what HPLC does, right? A lot of it, it just falls on deaf ears. When, from my, from my perspective, when I have conversations with, with operators in the space, they, just, they look at me like I'm crazy when I'm like, no, like, you should be testing in house. And they're like, no, like, I, I have to send it to a third party to have it tested to be sold anyways. Like, why would I pay extra money to have it tested in-house, right? And so I think that you're selling yourself short in terms of like your scientific knowledge and understanding the benefits that that tool brings to the table. You know, I just wanted to chime in there with that. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And, you know, there's another aspect for why we want in-house analytics too is because staring down the barrels, these FDA regulations, right? And so the next move for us to be viable is to get certifications because pre-senior won't be able to operate in the space without some sort of GMP. And that's the funny part too. You start getting this GMP is GMP listed, just like there's UL listed, right? But then there's GMP certified, FDA audited, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you have to have repeatable results. I have to be able to show the results over and over and over and catalog all those results. So yeah, you can't even start to play in that kind of realm with those type of companies that we want to play ball with without an HPLC in some sort of in-house analytics or QA, QC, and all that kind of stuff. So that's another aspect and another reason why we pushed for it and eventually got it too. So take us through 
how you find these people to help kind of work in this facility? Obviously, you guys are running a facility on a regular basis. You're needing qualified individuals. And obviously, you're doing things a little differently than most of the space operates from a scientific standpoint. You're already making the advancements and preparing the team for the long-term game versus kind of just trying to dive into the short-term and make a profit, which I think there's obviously a big disconnect in the industry where some people are so focused on the short-term where you guys are playing a real different game, which will help separate when the regulations come in, like you're saying. So where do you find these qualified employees? So a lot of it is uh, the area that we live in, in Crested Butte. It's an affluent town. A lot of people move here with degrees from Ivy League schools, masters, PhDs, all this kind of stuff. And they live here for the quality of life. Um, So that's been a real nice pool to tap into from a laboratory side. Also, there's a local university here. And at Kellen's suggestion, we went down to the chemistry department, gave a little presentation, and ended up finding some really motivated quality workers from there as well. And so that's where we've been able to pull into, especially now as a startup, because we can't pay X amount of dollars for salaries and things like that. So we have to be kind of uh, strategic and kind of be innovative. And we went to go interview these type of people. We wanted people that have had experiences in startups or liked a good challenge. And so that was a key for, for us, for sure, totally on that one. So, But outside of that, that's the laboratory side. On the intake side, it is pretty uh, pretty much like trimming wheat. There's not, there's not too much thought process. I'm pretty much, you know... They have a list of things that I want to accomplish a day. They pretty much, they kill it. They manage themselves. They run it themselves. But, you know, they're just sifting through hemp and packing bags. So that's a little bit easier to find. And obviously, like, prices, right? So being competitive, looking at, you know, because tourism's big here. And then COVID hit. And a lot of people were unemployed and things like that. And so that was a nice area, too. So we were able to pull talent out of that in terms of just hardworking talent out of that. Um, because they weren't working these other tourist jobs, uh, tourist-based jobs, and then having stability because it being a tourist economy, there's off seasons, there's high seasons, there's low seasons. Being able to offer employees steady work throughout the year was a big sell as well. Let's talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. That's right. No more excuses. Get your lazy ass off the couch. Go start a podcast. There's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Once again, no more excuses. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Could it be easier? Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. They're paying us for this ad. Thank you very much, Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. How do you know if you get all the cannabinoids out of the product? So how I did it is I took a homogenized sample. So let's, okay, so let me back up. So we're dealing with a farm, right? Farm comes in, cool. We have our super sacks. We've already pre-tested along the way. I have a third-party results showing me the potency out of the bags that we tested prior to getting there. But cool, the bags are there right then and there. So hey, I hold on, I want to stop you, Malcolm. Is there any other testing that you guys are doing on that super sack before it comes into the facility? Of course. Uh, the biggest things that we test for are heavy metals and pesticides. Um, why? Just going, why? It's huge for, uh, for just selling and having a viable product. Um, when you start going into 
your further refinement. A, everybody's trying to operate within, you know, right now we're under Colorado. Yes, it's hemp. You can go everywhere, but, you know, you're, you're licensed with the state and everything like that in terms of operating. And so there's certain thresholds that the state and the federal government has in terms of food quality products, right? So levels of heavy metals, levels of pesticides, microbials, all that kind of stuff. So with that and going down line, selling from processor to processor, it's one of those things that we've learned that everybody wants their lives to be easier. So if I have a good quality control on my end, it makes whenever it comes time to make a sale and we can get out the residual solvents, we don't have any heavy metals, we don't have any pesticides, the product doesn't need to be remediated. They can literally take it. And a lot of people I've noticed too, they just want to go straight one pass, not multiple passes through the rolling films or white films or whatever they're using. They want one pass through. So we test for heavy metals and pesticides in order to be, have a viable product to sell. And also from a contamination standpoint, we're working with food grade products. We don't want to contaminate our equipment. That's something that we would have to document. We're going to have to shut down. We have to take them apart. We have to go through this whole entire decontamination protocol. It's just going to cost money. So at the end of the day, everything costs money, right? So spend a little money at the beginning in order to not spend a lot of money at the end. But yeah, so we'll test for potencies and just by dry biomass weight is what we do. And then we'll do what's called a micro extraction. So we'll take a sample, we'll homogenize it from all the super sacks, and then we will make a concentrate of it. And then we'll ship that off so we can see the levels of heavy metals and pesticide from a concentrate perspective, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to pull it out 5X or 2X or 10X, whatever it would be, right? And so once all that clears, we negotiate with the farm. The farm biomass arrives. We'll take another sample out. And so I have the third-party labs potency tests. I'll have my own potency tests and I'll compare the two. There's some variations I've noticed between what we have and a lot of it could be sample prep, sample size too. I know with some of the HPLCs, there's various little things that go on that you have this kind of percent deviation, right? And so then you're testing what goes out or what comes. So you put your biomass in, you agitate it, you do it, you spend it. You kicked out that biomass after you extract it, and then you take a sample of that and you compare it against where it is from that dry biomass um, that you have when it's just normal biomass not extracted. And then that's where you make your comparisons at amongst that standard curve. And then that kind of allows you to be like, okay, well, maybe we need to, because there's certain things like residence time and then like how long is soaking, agitation time, agitation speed, all these kind of little factors come into play. And so then you just keep tweaking it. You tweak it as it goes. You tweak it as it goes. And then once you start seeing that, you know, you have zero cannabinoids in there, you can't pull any cannabinoids. Or let's say some people are like, cool, it's a time, it's a time thing, right? We'll leave 1% of the cannabinoids in there in order to process X amount of batches, you know? So it's kind of how you want to do it internally, I guess, would be the best for that. But that's kind of how we do it in terms of testing and setting our parameters. And then we'll test our CBDA, which notice in running through HPLC, the CBDA has ethanol in it. So that gets a little tricky in terms of testing because the ethanol will kind of, I want to say block it, but that's, that's a poor word. But we can still, we can, we can make comparisons amongst that. We can pull decarb out. We can make comparisons among that. You see that you still have the city groups in there. Then you're like, okay, cool. We need to decarb longer. We need decarb at 
a higher temperature. We need to pull more vacuum. Just a litany of things that you can just really get into the nitty gritty with whenever it comes to testing and setting parameters. So That's awesome. Well said. Before we do predictions, we ask our guests these two questions on all the podcasts. So Malcolm, if you could sum up your experience in the cannabinoid space into one main takeaway or lesson learned that you could pass on to the next generation, what would that be? I'm going to do it from like a more of a positive standpoint. I would say show up. There's a lot of people who don't show up. And this was my first excursion into cannabis. So from figure out what we want the end product. So what, what you want your end product to be? What kind of equipment do you need? You know, how do you build a facility? All this kind of stuff. You don't know. And it's okay not to know, but you have to show up. And if you show up, you'll figure it out. A lot of people I've just noticed in this space don't show up and they don't put the grind in. And so that's why a lot of people aren't as successful, you know? So I would just say from a positive standpoint, show up, trust in yourself and you'll figure it out. The last time you consumed any cannabinoid product. Oh, man, that was uh, last night. A little uh, little gummy. So like I said, I get off work at uh, 6, 6.30. And um, yeah, I'm just normally just beat from the day. And so you guys know Chris Nicola. He has those crappies, feel better. Yeah. So, <laughs> body's kind of aching. So I'll... I'll uh, <laughs> I, I mix it up. So I'll have a little gummy. I'll have uh, one of his little nighttime chill outs. And within, you know, a couple of hours, I'm in bed getting ready for the next day. So I would say last night, probably around 630. It's really nice of Chris to sponsor this podcast. We'll send him an advice for that little <laughs> shout out. So pred- <laughs> prediction time. Malcolm, we're going to start with you and then Kellen. What regulation or policy adjustment would help or hurt the industry the most over the next six to 12 months? I mean, it's a big one out there. Just legalization in general, I would say, like actually passing on a federal level legalization, it would both help and hurt. It would hurt people like me, smaller operators, right? Because then banking opens up, a lot of bigger pharmaceutical companies will start coming in, tobacco will start coming in. So that could be kind of detrimental, but also beneficial at the same time, especially if you have a specialized company, you're looking at MSOs maybe coming in and purchasing you up, LPs from Canada coming in and purchasing you up. So it just, I would say just anything from a federal policy would have huge ramifications on the industry as a whole. Kellen? I would agree with Malcolm. I would say that if the FDA decides to classify CBD as a nutraceutical, then I think that would change the entire landscape and you're going to see CBD everywhere at that point. You know what I mean? If it does, um, which will be good for business, right? What do you think, Brian? What's your, what's your prediction here? I want to see some big scientific advancement from a foundational study on how the endocannabinoid system works with these cannabinoids, some sort of massive breakthrough where they say this cannabinoid can solve this and some scientific evidence behind that. I think that could really excite the industry. I think now there's such a misinformed society on CBD can do everything, right? You can see CBD for this, CBD for sleep, CBD for face cream, CBD for this, CBD for this. I mean, it's just name CBD with anything. It's like the game with the cards. At the end of the day, I'd like to see some scientific evidence behind that. And I think that can help kind of open up the industry a little bit to give operators like yourself who are doing things the right way, right? You're, you're, you're making the investment into the space and operating the way the industry needs to be before it's mandatory in this capacity. And I think that's really what's going to separate you from your peers as things that progress. Cool. Well, I appreciate the time, Malcolm. 
and give everyone that's listening chance to connect with you, learn more about Axel Labs. Where can they get in touch? Instagram, Axel Labs. Just follow us there, axelabs.com. It's another place you can find us as well. But yeah, check us out on Instagram for sure. Cool. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.